strong in my family. My father hasn't. I have it. My sister has it. You have that power too. Take it, we got some Star Wars fans in the house. If you're a Star Wars fan, give me a little applause. Uh, I'm just curious. Do we have anybody in here who, who would admit that they actually went and saw in theaters the original New Hope? We're talking 1977 in theaters. I got to see some bands. All right. So anybody like me, you grew up uh, closer to uh, in a different decade, you went to see the re-release in theaters in the 90s, and you stood in line because it was that good that they could remake it and put it back in theaters and draw a crowd, right? So I'm just happy. I feel like we're uniting geeks of all ages here this morning. So welcome to, welcome to if you're new to One Church and you're wondering why in the world did I watch a Star Wars uh, trailer, why are we talking about this? It's because every summer we take major themes from movies and we talk about how the Bible syncs up with that and what we can learn from that. And this morning we're going to pull themes from Star Wars. So why Star Wars? Because it's incredibly popular. I don't even know how it got so popular, but there are Lego sets and video games and things you can play on your tablet with Star Wars. Kids of all ages love it. Kids of very old ages love it. I mean, it's, it's a great um, series to play off of. And like I said, when you re-release something and it goes back into theaters, that's a pretty good idea. I think it does portray some people who kind of draw us in to their life story. Um, and that's one of the big reasons we watch it. But the other one is just, I mean, come on, seriously. Lightsaber battles and Death Stars and sci-fi. You have to remember, George Lucas was producing the first movie in 1977. We didn't even have like... PCs back in 1977. So, I mean, cell phones weren't even a thought, and he's thinking up stuff like lightsabers. So geeks owe a lot to George Lucas and his out-of-control crazy imagination for a lot of this stuff. So, And let's be honest, none of us watched the prequel trilogy for, uh, for the sappy romantic scenes or because of Jar Jar Binks. We watched it for epic lightsaber battles. I mean, seriously. Come on. So uh, that's... Uh, I wanted, also, I think I watched it for one other reason, and that was because I was so intrigued with the thought of how Darth Vader, how Anakin Skywalker became Darth Vader. And this morning, really what I un- want to unpack is that. I want to unpack the theme of how does fear turn good people to bad people? How does fear turn good people into bad people? Because honestly, I think Star Wars illustrates that, and I think we can learn a lot from that illustration this morning. So whether your, your fear is, is Jedi Knights and Sith Lords, or it's more like a classroom full of two-year-olds that you're going to have to teach next year for the first time, or a two-year-old that's your own two-year-old who's diving into temper tantrums and getting his own way and all of that, or, uh, or just something else, I think you can learn a lot about fear this morning. And in fact, what I would say is this, that fear gets me sometimes. If I'm honest with myself, I would say that fear tends to get me sometimes. 
And if you're honest, I think you would, you would admit that fear gets you sometimes. And I want to figure out how to keep it from doing that a little bit this morning. So that's kind of where we're going. I think Yoda said it best. Well, let's just dive right into Star Wars clips and look at that. Here is Yoda's first encounter with Anakin Skywalker. Let's watch this. I'll feel you. Cold, sir. Afraid, are you? No, sir. See through you? We can. Be mindful of your feelings. Your thoughts dwell on your mother. I miss her. Mm. Afraid to lose her, I think. Mm? What has that got to do with anything? Everything. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. I sense much fear in you. And if you're a fan of the original series, let me also throw in Yoda's words to Luke Skywalker, because we're going to look at him as well today. So one more clip. Watch Yoda and Luke. Yes, Jedi strength flows from the Force. But beware of the dark side. Anger, fear, aggression. The dark side of the Force are they. Easily they flow, quick to join you in a fight. If once you start down the dark path, forever will it dominate your destiny, consume you at will, as it did Obi-Wan's apprentice. Vader, is the dark side stronger? No. 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 Quicker, easier, more seductive. I won't fail you. I'm not afraid. You will be. Y'all probably forgot how scary Yoda can be sometimes. So, but uh, there you go. The, the story of Luke and Anakin Skywalker really is one of overcoming fears we're going to unpack today. And to be honest, it's what drew my wife into the Star Wars theory because I'm a huge geek, but my wife is not. And it took me a long time to get her interested enough to watch the Star Wars movies. Now, hear me, I tried but she would fall asleep because it just wasn't interesting to her. And what really got her interested enough was she happened to wake up and watch the scene where Anakin Skywalker becomes Darth Vader. And it so intrigued her that she literally was willing to watch all the rest of them with me. And of course, you know, as a geek, I'm like, yes! You know, this is, this is the geek achievement right here to get your wife interested in your favorite, your favorite movie. In fact, personal confession, I'm such a geek. My wife's, you know, halfway through a pregnancy right now. If I could get her to wear this shirt... This is the pregnancy shirt I would have her wear, okay? So the force is strong with this one. It's just so true. It's so true. Okay, so back to fear, though. Back to fear, sorry. I'm getting us way off on tangents here. The Jedi, the, the, the Jedi themselves are fearless, and their arch enemies are the master manipulators of fear. Uh, and that's one of the innovations that, again, struck us, I think, when we first started watching the Star Wars movie back in 1977 when he released that first one, is George Lucas had come up with the ultimate weapon of fear, and the Sith, the, the evil people, the Emperor and, and Darth Vader, were using it to keep everybody in line. They, they thought this weapon was so powerful, so scary, that it would keep everybody obedient to their instruction and design. And I want to watch the reveal of their secret weapon real quick with you. So, here we go. 
the Death Star. The rebellion will continue to gain a support in the Imperial Senate. The Imperial Senate will no longer be of any concern to us. I have just received word that the Emperor has dissolved the Council permanently. The last remnants of the Old Republic have been swept away. That's impossible. How will the Emperor maintain control without the bureaucracy? The regional governors now have direct control over their territories. Fear will keep the local systems in line. Fear of this battle station. So, if you weren't scared about Star Wars yet, there you go. There's fear in the idea of Star Wars. And though fear really takes up the theme in Star Wars, I also want to look at it in the Bible as well. And the person I want to look at is the most fearless warrior in the Bible, a guy named David. Many of you may know him as King David or from the story that we all heard as kids and maybe have heard in, in recent days, David and Goliath. So, And I'll talk a little bit about David and Goliath, but really what I think will intrigue you is not David's triumph over fear, which is kind of the David and Goliath story, but his failure towards fear. Let me give you an overview and, and just say this too. If you're not a Bible reader, if you haven't dug into one, if you haven't, uh, if no one's told you we have free Bibles here, I would encourage you, if you need to get into Scripture, to, to pick up David's story. because This is the most interesting story I've ever read. And I love it because of the length and just of how much I identify with this big character in the Bible. So I would encourage you to examine it more because we're only going to hit the highlights this morning. But David, David really shows up as this fearless warrior at the beginning. And the funny thing is he's a teenager. Okay, so he's a shepherd. He's not a warrior. Um, he's, he's probably 13, 14 years old, maybe 16, 17. But he takes on this giant from an enemy army who's supposedly nine feet tall. Here's one of the pictures I pulled off the web. This is how he's commonly portrayed, right? This tiny kid taking on this huge, lumbering giant. And we think, man, that kid must have been fearless. Well, yeah, he was, you know, he was a teenager. Most of us are a little more uh, adventurous than smart as teenagers. So there's an element to where that plays in. But uh, David was actually much like many of you in the room, uh, you army guys. I, if I know anything about army guys, and I don't know much, I know that they drill you guys to the core, that everything that you're going to do in your task, especially in combat roles, they simulate because they want you to be comfortable, they want you to know what to do, and they don't want fear to overpower you in those situations. And that's David, because David has faced giants before. This is not a new thing for him. In fact, I want to read his quote as a 13-year-old to his king before he goes and fights Goliath, so you can kind of see that he's pretty well trained, and fear is really not an element in this situation. So here's what David said. He says, Your servant has been a shepherd in his father's flock. Whenever a lion or a bear would come and carry off a sheep of the flock, I'd go after it. I would strike it down and rescue the sheep from its mouth. And listen to this. If it rose up against me, I would grab it by its jaw, strike it, and kill it. Does it sound like David has faced a giant before? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And this is, again, how he ends it. Your servant has struck down both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine is going to be just like one of them. He's defied the armies of the living God. Point taken. Let me go get him. So David is fearless in that moment that we first meet him, but David falls to fear. And the reason I love David and I identify so much with David is because David falls to fear when it comes to his family. And honestly, if I'm going to fall to fear, it's going to be in a normal life situation. I feel like I can handle some of the bigger things, but I identify with David in that he gets scared when it comes to managing his finances, uh, or excuse me, managing his kids, disciplining his kid. 
And, uh, and that, true, is where I'm going to fail. So you may be here and you may be thinking, I've been putting off a conversation with a spouse because I'm a bit afraid of how that's going to go. That's David. That's who David is in his core, and that's where David fails, and that's where I think we can learn the best things about David. So if you're here and you're a parent struggling to discipline, you're a spouse who's putting off a tough conversation, maybe with your spouse, maybe it's with a boss or a neighbor, then I just want to encourage you to listen into the story. Don't tune this out because I think you're going to learn a lot. And, uh, and I think really, again, that's us too. Our giants aren't nine foot tall and wielding a sword. Our giants are people, and most often they're people that we love. And that's why we're afraid. In fact, here's the first half of our big idea for today. It's simply this, that our, the greatest enemy of love is fear. That if you consider yourself a loving person, your greatest enemy, the thing you most want to look out for, is probably going to be fear. Because that's going to be its target. It's the people you love. So the Skywalkers, are, their fears are born from love. In fact, as we re- kind of walk through the stories, you'll see this. But Luke, Luke is constantly afraid for his friends. In fact, he runs off to the cloud city away from his mentors, away from Yoda, that clip we saw before, and to save them. And he ends up facing Darth Vader, something he's not prepared for, something that kind of puts him in peril's way and costs him his hand because he's afraid for his friends. And when Luke almost falls to fear, it's uh, to, to the dark side, it's because of fear. Now, he runs to the, rush, to the aid of his friends many, many times. He goes and tries to save his aunt and uncle when he finds out the stormtroopers know where they live. Then he goes to the Cloud City to try to rescue Han and Leia. And then, if you remember in Return of the Jedi, he pursues Han Solo into Jabba's lair, and he has to fight these giant monsters to try to free his friends. Fear of losing his friends is what drives Luke Skywalker throughout the movies we see. And in this scene that we're going to watch is the epic scene where he almost falls, where fear for a moment It gets him, so watch this. You cannot hide forever, Luke. I will not fight you. Give yourself to the dark side. It is the only way you can save your friends. Yes, your thoughts betray you. Your feelings for them are strong, especially for sister. So, you have a twin sister. Your feelings have now betrayed her too. Obi-Wan was wise to hide her from me. Now his failure is complete. If you will not turn to the dark side, then perhaps she
a very loving guy. We would probably say that he loves people to a fault. And that's a really good thing. We want friends like Luke Skywalker. We want people who will rush to our aid when we're in trouble and who do fear for us when we get in dangerous spots. I love that about Luke. I also want you to see that in King David, in the, in the David that we read about in the Bible. You see, David is the next king. God has already let him know ahead of time, I've chosen you, you're going to be the next king. It's, it's going to happen. But David so loves the existing king that he won't let anything deter him from protecting King Saul, a guy named King Saul. King Saul, on the other hand, will do anything to get rid of David because he just views him as competition. And it's amazing to see how well David loves his enemy in this situation because David does it better than I think anybody I've ever heard or read their story about. David uh, gets sent on suicide missions by the king because the king's trying to get rid of him subtly. Then he drops the subtlety and he literally starts picking up spears. He does this twice. He picks up spears and he chucks them across the room of his palace trying to catch David off guard hoping he'll basically just end him right then and there. And then when David kind of gets the hint that hey, it's probably not safe for me to live in the palace or stay in the palace and David's hiding in the wilderness... Saul raises up a small army and he starts pursuing him through the wilderness. And twice, David literally, Saul messes up and David literally has the chance to take his life. In secret, nobody really knows about it. And David refuses to hurt the man that in his heart he loves, even though Saul doesn't act loving toward him. And uh, David, for all of his faults, really does an amazing job of being the kind of guy who runs to the aid and saves people. But David's strength becomes a weakness because David's love for people keeps him from loving his family the way he's supposed to. David has two sons who are very rebellious. David needs to step in and discipline them, and when he doesn't, he basically ruins them, and he subjects them to just corruption. So Amnon's a son who so infatuated with one of his stepsisters that he rapes her, and then he casts her out. And when David takes no action, because he's afraid that if he puts justice in the way that he'll no longer have a relationship with Amnon, that one of David's other sons, a guy named Absalom, Absalom comes in and kills Amnon. He's just fed up. He knows justice needs to be taken care of. It's not going to happen. He just does it himself. Schemes for about a year and then just takes Amnon's life. And David, again, needs to step in. But you know what? He doesn't. In fact, all he does is allow Absalom to stay in exile, to stay in hiding, but his sadness is evident to everybody in the kingdom that, that I want to still be in a relationship with my son, and I can't. And when Absalom gets so fed up with his father's lack of action, he actually raises up an army, and he runs David out of the capital, and he proclaims himself king. And David is so in love with his son that even being betrayed, completely betrayed, by his own son, he can't, he, his advice to the army when they retake the capital is, please don't kill Absalom. I can't bear to lose him. And that love becomes David's undoing because it, it, it gets him to stop doing anything. It gets him to hesitate and stop doing anything. And to be honest, that's my failure. That's where fear gets me. Fear uh, takes me to a place of inaction. When I have uh, conversations out with uh, people I know in the community, I want to invite them to church. But you know what? I'm afraid the moment I mention spiritual things or church, conversation is going to end. And so I hesitate and I hesitate and I hesitate, and then they move or uh, we don't run in the same circles and I never see them again. And I think I never got a chance to invite them. I never actually took advantage of that opportunity because I was afraid. 
It also gets me as a friend because I'll, I'll, I'll be talking to a friend and they'll be talking about how excited they are to do something and, and in the back of my mind I'm going, that's not a wise decision. Like I know you well enough to know that's probably not the best idea for you. But instead of saying something, I hesitate because I don't want it to affect our friendship. And though there's advice I probably should give, I don't. And I think I, I do more damage than I do good because I let fear get in the way. And I tell you, as a parent, a new parent, this gets me a lot because Eli's always changing. He's always learning something new. And it's, he can't talk yet, so it's very hard to even know what he's trying to communicate. And as a parent, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to be a provider for him. But when I go to actually try to be a parent and interact and play and guide his learning and just show him I love him, I feel like I'm failing all the time because I just don't know how to do it well. And fear in me says, you know what? If you don't want to fail, just step back. You can be provider. No one will judge you for being a good provider for your kid. Just don't be the parent. Don't get all involved. Don't keep failing by trying to show him you love him. And fear in my life tries to pull me back from a role in parenting that I need to take on, that I, my son is desperate for, but that I refuse to, that I'm scared, honestly, to take on. And I would ask you guys as you're listening to this, is there a place in your life where fear is causing you to hesitate or to stick without any action? Because that's probably a place God wants to work this morning, and that's probably a, f- a fear that he wants to beat and help you beat. Fear will do one of two things. It will keep you from taking action, or it will manipulate your love and cause you to do extreme things. In David's case, it, it leads him to inaction. And somewhat in Luke's case, it leads him to inaction. But in Anakin's case, it leads him to the other extreme, to taking extreme action. Anakin wants to protect the thing he loves the very most. And in order to do that, he has to destroy everything else. And Anakin ultimately chooses the dark side over the fact that he cannot stand to lose his wife, Padme. As a Jedi, Anakin's had dreams that show him that she's going to die in childbirth. And now she's pregnant, and the clock is ticking. And fear, the re- repetitiveness of the fact that she's pregnant is a click, ticking time clock to when she dies. It just overwhelms him. And you know who steps into that and manipulates him? A bad guy. Convinces him that he can help him save his wife's life. And it's upon that one fact that Anakin, though he loves, 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 loves people, turns to a place where he hurts everybody except for the person he's trying to save. And in the end, of course, he loses her as well. I want us to watch Anakin struggle and then the emperor's manipulation of him as kind of our final clip this morning. So let's catch the screens. tell you. It's a Sith legend. Darth Plagueis is a dark lord of the Sith, so powerful and so wise, 
he could use the force to influence the midi-chlorians He had such a knowledge of the dark side, he could even keep the ones he cared about from dying. He could actually save people from death. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. Is it possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi. Let me help you to know the subtleties of the Force. How do you know the ways of the Force? My mentor taught me everything about the Force, even the nature of the dark side. You know the dark side? Anakin... If one is to understand the great mystery, one must study all its aspects, not just the dogmatic, narrow view of the Jedi. If you wish to become a complete and wise leader, you must embrace a larger view of the Force. Be careful of the Jedi, Anakin. Only through me can you achieve a power greater than any Jedi. Learn to know the dark side of the Force, and you will be able to save your wife from certain death. I have the power to save the one you love. You must choose. Don't listen to him, Anakin. Don't let him kill me. I can't hold it any longer. I, 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 I can't. I'm too weak. Anakin! Help me! Help me! Oh, I, 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 I can't hold on any longer. I am going to end this once and for all. You can't. He must stand trial. He has control of the Senate and the courts. He's too dangerous to be left alive. I'm too weak. Oh, don't kill me. Please. It's not the Jedi way. He must live. Please don't. I need him. his statement at the end what have I done see Anakin I don't think was a bad guy I don't think he was trying to be a bad guy but fear got a hold of his love and it corrupted him it made a good guy bad I told you before I'll say it again the greatest enemy of love in my opinion is fear the greatest enemy of love is fear 
And this morning, you need to ask yourself a key question. The question, who is it I can't do without? What is it I can't do without? Who can I not bear to lose? Not because you shouldn't have somebody in your life that you feel that way about. But that honestly, you need to beware that fear doesn't get in there and mess that relationship up. Or cause you to give up everything else because you can't let that one go. See, the problem with fear and with love is that love is, love is great. Let's be honest. Love is why we like Luke Skywalker and Anakin Skywalker and, and David from the Bible. We want friends like that. We want to be that person who rushes to the aid of friends, who fears for friends. And in that respect, fear is not a bad thing. And Christians are called to love well. And unfortunately, I think fear too often gets in our way and keeps us from loving well. Because the nature of love is that it's risky. It's that you give love, but you don't know if it will be returned or not. And so often fear convinces you that you can guarantee that it will be returned. Uh, fear convinces you that, that you can't exist if you don't have somebody, that, that important person loving you back. And so you try to control things. You try to uh, eliminate risk. You try to get away from failure and hurt. And the truth is, it's going to happen. I take great comfort in knowing that Jesus, the person who loved better than anybody in this world, was a man who was very risky in his love who uh, was hurt very, very deeply. You know, the night of his, his crucifixion, everybody who followed him, his closest friends, ran off. One even betrayed him with a kiss. And if you're going to love, you're going to get hurt. That's just part of it. You can't, you can't control that out of a love relationship. But more than that, I think, we have to come to a place as Christians where we, we can love without needing something back. Again, I think that was David's triumph with loving his king, was that he could love a guy who was never going to return that love, was only going to return hate and anger. And the reason that Christians do that, I believe, is because God is in our lives. In fact, the big idea for this morning, the, the big picture is that when God is with you, that you can love without fear. That when God is with you, you can love without fear. You can it's because when somebody doesn't love you back, God can fill that void. Because God's love is so incredibly great for you that it can almost eliminate the need for needing love from anybody else. And at times when people betray you, and times when people leave you, and times when people can't love you back, you need to let God's love fill those cracks. But it's not just about God being loving. It's about God being with us. Because you know what? Fear clouds my emotions and my, and my sense of direction and my what should I do in this situation. And the reason I need God with me is because I need to hear God's voice in those moments where fear is the dominant emotion and not love. And I believe that if I live in such a way that I am good at hearing God throughout my day, that, that fear won't get the upper hand. That God will always be the voice of reason that, I, that will tell me what to do and guide me in that and give me the strength and the courage to do that. See, in Star Wars, the Jedis always say a key phrase. When they're parting ways, they say, may the force be with you or the force will be with you. Because for them, they have to live in the reality that the force is with them, not only giving them power, but guiding their actions. And Yoda says a lot about that as he trains the, the apprentices with him. For us as Christians, that's the exact same thing. We have to live in the reality that God is with us. Not, we don't just have to know it. Bible knowledge is not useful in facing fear so much as knowing that God is present with you and being able, being good at hearing his voice. And the only way I can tell you to do that, there's no magic formula, but for me, I've got to make sure that I'm good at it by spending time with God all the time. 
Because you know what? He is with you. Let me show you that. But it, all throughout Scripture, the biggest promise you can take from the Bible is that if you will ask God to be with you, He will be with you and He will never leave. He makes that promise early in Scripture and He makes it again and again and again over in Scripture. And I want to show you two promises to kind of make that point this morning. First one is a promise He made to Joshua, one of the first leaders of His nation, his, of Jews. And He says this He says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be, what's this word? Frightened. And do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. And then listen to that last part. Wherever you go. Wherever you go. That was a promise made to Joshua a long time ago to reassure him that God was going to go with him. The same promise got made to us. I hope you know that. Jesus' last words in Matthew's account of his life is a commissioning for us to go out into the world. And that's a very scary prospect for a group of guys who are used to living in their country, among their people. Uh, and God is saying, no, I want you to get as far away from here as possible. And with that promise is the promise that God will be with them. And I want to read that to you. So in Matthew, Jesus gives this commission. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. And then, look what he ends it with. I am with you. What's that word? Always. 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 That is a promise to you. That is a promise to every Jesus follower that's out there. And it's a promise you need to cling to. And the way I cling to those promises is every day I start my day with God. Every day I get up and I read some piece of scripture and I think through it and I pray. In fact, I get a little rhyme that it goes with it. Every day, read, reflect, pray. That's my little mantra. Every day, read, reflect, pray. That's not a formula for success for all of you. In fact, what I would tell you is if you're thinking about this and you're going, I've tried it, I don't do very good with God, I would say you need to have a personal conversation with somebody in your small group or one of us pastors because this is one of our parties for everybody at one church. If we could ask for four things that a person would do, the very first one is that you spend every day some portion of it with God so that you get good at hearing his voice and hearing him speak into you. For me, it's every day I read, reflect, pray. I have to beat my son up an hour early because if I don't, it won't happen. And, uh, and I have to have a buddy go with it through me. Because if I'm not reading this with somebody, if somebody's not holding me accountable, I, I just, I'm not disciplined enough to keep it going. So I need kind of a battle buddy who, does, who walks with me in this every day. So for you, I don't know what that formula looks like, but I'm certain if you'll have a conversation with somebody who knows you or one of us pastors who can get to know you a little bit, we can help you with that a little bit. We might be able to give you the right tool or the right idea um, to fit that. Because that's something that we love doing. But beyond that, let me just say this. The reason I know this, the reason this is part of my story is because it was a part of David's story. And this is why I talked to you about David this morning is because, honestly, this is probably the biggest thing I learned from him is that I need to hear God's voice on a daily basis. See, we didn't just get his story in Scripture. We actually got his journal. When I said read, reflect, pray, when I reflect, I write. And for David, when David reflected, he wrote. And we have tons of his journal entries that have actually been kind of poetically formed a little bit and actually in time set to Scripture. And I want to read you the most famous one because I think it will stick with you because I know you've heard it before and I know you'll hear it again. Because I want to cement the idea that this was true for David and that it can be true for you if you'll take the time to connect with God on a regular basis. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read this psalm. I'm going to pray for you guys. And then I want you just to sit quietly or, or maybe sing along. But I want you to hear the band do a modern 
version of a psalm, a, a song that I came across recently that I really love that really explains this. So that whatever it is for you, if it's the psalm because you've heard it before that sticks with you when you leave here, that the idea stays with you. If you're a, a music person and you love the song and you can get enough of it to repeat it over and over, um, I hope something sticks with you that reminds you in those moments when fear gets a grip that God is with you. The journal entry I love most that most of you have heard is Psalm 23. And it reads like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. David knew that. And I pray, my prayer for you, is that even though I haven't given you a formula for it, you can find a way to ensure that your life reflects the fact that you feel God is with you as well. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you for this morning. And I thank you that we can take something as fun as Star Wars and integrate it into a Sunday morning to make the theme of fear so real. God, that we know the dangers and that we can fight, God, the battle against it and the battle, its battle to corrupt and hurt those we love. So as we go today, I pray this song or the psalm or something that's been said will stick with us, God. It's in your name I pray. I can hear you.